Amen. I, yeah, we we yeah. Whether we need to or not, we're going to have to. Now, uh, so we're talking about the presence of God. Now, there's right and wrong ways to enter the presence of God. Huh? Keep well, look at this one, please. You're right. You're close. Hebrews ten twenty nine. We we'll get that right across to you. Right in this same context of scripture. I hold this up to my mouth. That works better. Of of, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought of worthy. Who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith his, he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done spite unto the Spirit of grace. Okay? Uh, the word there, uh, trodden underfoot, means to reject with disdain. Despite, I've said this to you already, means insult. Then that tells me then that there's, a, that very uh, understanding causes me to understand that there is a, there are things that can insult the Spirit of God. I'll tell you one I think probably about as, about as bad as anything I see is when a person takes it lightheartedly. When people take for granted the moving of the Holy Ghost. When people just make it commonplace. Or he goes on and carries the idea that people can reject that moving of the Spirit of God. And because they don't want to move in the Spirit of God, then they come along with some doctrine that says, well, God don't do those things today. Well, my question is, did Jesus heal the sick? Yeah. Do we have any sick people today? Yeah. But we have doctors. Well, God help us. That's all we have. Because, brother, they're going to take you so far. I know what one man said. My family said, we can do it. We've only done so much for your, told my son, I can only do this. I've done all I can do for your dad. I've done the same thing for him. I do for my dad. That's what that doctor said. But I can't do any more than that. He's got blockages in the back side of his heart. That's what they said then. When he went back in another time to check something else, he said, We don't know, but it looks like nature has grew uh, new vessels in the back side of your heart. I said, Nature didn't have anything to do with it. It was the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. It's hard. Yeah. Amen. And so I, I, I'm, I'm grateful about that. I'm, I'm thankful to God about that. But they had a limitation to what they can do. When they tell you, when they tell you, you're going to die. You know what you would hear if you were really hearing. God would say to you, my word says you're going to live and not die. Amen. That's what he'd say. That's how he talks. Hallelujah. Because that's the way, that's the way it is. So, so, so there's an insult. That word there can mean insolence. It means in, uh, insulting in speech or conduct. I'm going to tell you something. I've I'm, I'm actually seen people just... You're trying to minister to them and they just... Whatever. I want to. I want to say. I mean, they do like the whatever. I hate that. That's a good way for me to smack you if you ever do that to me. You better be ducking when you do it. Whatever. So you think whatever when you be like Jackie Gleason, you're going into the moon. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna send you right now. But but their but their speech and their conduct, they can be impudent. You know. You know, just kind of. I don't even know how to explain that word, actually. I know what it means, but I don't know how to give you a definition for it. Rude or impolite. Showing or having a lack of respect for or nervy. Man, I have seen some people 
do some things to the Spirit of God that scare the daylights out of me. Now, I was in the Navy, I was in the Navy and you know, they were, ever heard that old saying, cuss like a sailor? I was doing that before I went in there. But I really learned how to cuss after I got in because I was a sinner, I wasn't a Christian. We had a man or two in there that absolutely scared the daylights out of me. I never, never, I remember one man, now don't misunderstand me because I'm, I'm very careful even saying, even repeating it. But he, he just, I seen him stick his finger up to him. Now, I'm a sinner. I'm an old beer guzzling, drinking, wretched sinner, worst, one of the worst kind you can find. And that guy stuck his finger up and said, come on down here, J.C. That's how he referred to Christ and had some and cussed him. I got as far away from that dude as I could get away from him. I thought, God Almighty, there's this bolt of lightning coming out of heaven and going to kill that dude. I'm going to get burnt while I'm standing away. He scared me, boy. I mean, but... And that's one thing. We understand that. A sinner will do anything. You never know what a sinner can do. They can, they can, they can, they, I mean, you know, they're ignorant of certain things, so they can do it. And yet, there's some that are not. Some that will, that are maybe even been backslidden, but they know enough about God to know better than to do that. I've seen, and on the other hand, I've seen some old sinners that had more respect for God and the things of God than some saints I've seen. Spirit of God is moving. Uh, you know, I've, I've, some of these big meetings, some people have been in. The Spirit of God's moving like Benny Hinn or something like that. And somebody back in the back eating popcorn and doing something. Now, Holy Ghost is moving. I don't know. I don't get that kind of stuff right there. You know, I'll go popcorn you. Pop your corn for you. That's what I'll do for you. I don't believe they're going to get anything to you. But see, that's now that's obvious, isn't it? But here comes a person in the church, and they're sitting there. They're not doing anything. They're not bothering anybody. They're not being mean or disrespectful in the, in the outward sense of the word, but in their heart, they're not where they need to be. Now, listen to me. I'm talking about revival. I haven't changed the subject from the first night. I'm talking about a different part of it, but I'm telling you, in, if we're going to move with the Spirit of God, there's some things that has to be really adjusted on the inside of us sometimes. And only you and God really know what those are. I may preach some things and get down on some of it sometimes, not unknowingly, but I'm saying the ultimate thing is we have to ask our question, God, what is it in my life that hinders me from receiving a fuller measure of your power? Because the Bible said of his fullness we have received. How do you know when you've got full? Because in his fullness, is, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there's pleasures forevermore. Where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. Don't tell me you got a Holy Ghost moving you when you're bound up tighter than an eight-day clock. No, sir, brother. You need to be set free by the power of God. And the Holy Ghost will set you free. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if that means turning flips and cartwheels down through the middle of the church, rolling in the floor, or just sitting there laughing, or, or an overwhelming joy, whatever it means. But it's not bondage, I can tell you that. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a liberty. But see, only God, only God knows. And, and sometimes I, I've seen some places. I, I've only been in, I think, in two places. I come as close as I've ever come. Walking out of it, one place. It's the closest I've ever come. Just out of respect, really, to the Lord more than anybody else, I just said, I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm not going to leave, rather. But I wanted to leave. I've I never seen a place like that. And then the second one, I'm going to tell you about this one. You're going to be upset when I tell you if you're, if you're religious, because I'm going to probably upset you. But that's okay. We'll get through it. Well, you went to this church. Didn't have very many people show up. I remember all of this. My wife might have hit me somebody. You think I'm thinking about the one over, yeah, where uh, Denver went. And uh, I went to this church and set up the meeting. All I went there wasn't very many people there at all. And then on top of that, they had a worship team. Now I, I I like worship teams to have their clothes on. You know what I'm saying? I don't want them coming in in short shorts. 
But we had some ladies coming in there in short shorts, and it's bad enough. You know, like when I went to Russia, I was about 40 pounds heavier than what I am now. And I, they want me to wear a Speedo. That's when I was wanting to go swimming. It's hot little Speedo. It's just a little bathing suit that's it's made for a mouse, not a human being. And that thing was small, and they said, you can, you can put on this Speedo. I said, I'm not wearing no Speedo. I went and I pointed to somebody down there who had you know, things hanging all over that, their Speedo. And I said, that's what I'm going to look like, and I ain't going to put on no Speedo. Forget it. So you got ladies coming into church look like 10 pounds of mud in a two-pound sack. And they're standing up and leading the worship. And so I, I, you know, I just didn't, I, I didn't like it, but I didn't say much. I didn't say anything. Wasn't, wasn't, you know, wasn't my dealing. They'd had three pastors, and they'd, they'd killed two of them and run one off. I mean, I mean, they didn't kill them, literally shoot them, but they killed them the way they acted. Killed them, you know. And so anyway, we, we uh, went through the whole week putting up with that mess. Come in on Sunday morning, back in the back seat, here's some little girl sitting on a young man's lap doing a lap dance. You know, she was all over him and eating, and there was one sitting there eating a donut and drinking milk. And I, you know, it was, I just, I'd made up my mind when I get to the pulpit, I'm going to say, my sermon today is Jesus wept goodbye. I intend to do it. I intend to do it. Now, I intend to do a lot of things sometimes. The Holy Ghost don't let me, and sometimes he does. So I just stood behind the pulpit. I said, well, I said, sure as, because it was Sunday morning, there was a full crowd. I said, it's sure as good to see all you people here. I said, we've been having revival all week. Where you been? And I said, and on top of that, it's good to see the worship team. They got their clothes on. I said it. I said, my wife and I talked about this place, and she thinks it's Disney World, and I agree. And I went through all of that stuff. And, and then I said, on top of that, I said, what you need is a preacher ain't afraid of you. Preach the Word of God to you, and you ain't going to kill them or run them off. You know, that ought to have been enough to have been shot right there. You know what made a man? When the Word of Knowledge come on me, and I said, there's somebody in this church. See, they didn't want to move with the Holy Ghost. This proves it. I said, there's somebody in this church that is beating and abusing his wife. You better get yourself straightened out or you're going to be exposed. A week, and they all hollered, false prophet, all false prophet, until about a week later when the youth pastor was brought out from under the cover and found out he was beating on his wife and doing things like that. Well, we wonder why God don't move. How God, how's God going to move in it? I got a, I got a sermon about things that uh, talks about what, what should and should not be in revival and how you know it's not revival and how that you know it is when there is one. Well, some things we can't see, but you know the Holy Ghost can see. And, we, we, and He knows exactly how to do certain things, and certain things will hinder Him. And uh, attitudes of heart, just an attitude in our heart, you know. Uh, I know I preach long. I know I wear people out sometimes. That's not my intent. I just get going. I can't get stopped sometimes. That's just the bottom line. Listen, if you come down here for Brother Freddie Clark, and he keeps, if he's like he used to be, you don't get out before midnight in hell. Is that about how long he is? He still do that? I don't see him for a long time. But he can preach a long time, and it's good. It's worth sitting and listening to, praise God. Not a, not a criticism at all about that. But I'm going to tell you about revival. You can forget that early and getting out stuff and all of that in a, in a run and in a hurry because God don't do anything in a hurry. He's going to take his time to get it done, and he's going to find out who's going to do it with him. Hallelujah. And so certain little attitudes like that said, I wish he'd hurry up and preach, you know. I'm now, and on the other hand, if I ain't no good, then you probably have a right to feel that way. But please don't tell me because I think I am good. (laughs) 
Now, now you can pray for me because now I need some vanity cast out of me. But anyway, but, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking I'm trying my best. Put it that way. Praise God, whatever that is. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, second little thing he says, quench not the Spirit of God. That means to extinguish it. The old timers used to say, you can go ahead and get on fire, but there's a few old wet blankets in the church that's going to put it out. See, the devil don't want you burning on fire. The word there means to extinguish literally or figuratively. It means to cause something to stop burning. Cause the end or the death of something or something. To reduce the silence or the ineffectiveness of the Spirit of God. See, certain things that you and I do that can grieve the Spirit of God, even though you can praise God and grieve the Spirit of God. You can give a message in tongues and grieve the Spirit of God. You can do certain things just to grieve Him and quench Him, rather, and cause it. We're going to talk about grieving here in a minute, and I've got that on my mind. But quench the Spirit of God. You can extinguish the fire. You can stop it. I've seen, I've seen untold pastors over the years who, who the Spirit of God get to move, and it makes them nervous. They do what they got to do to stop it. They want to quit it, or, or they just don't have a sensitivity to what the Spirit of God even begins to move, and the next thing you know, they change the subject and go some other direction. And the Spirit of God can't do nothing what He wants to do. How long do you think He's going to hang around that? I wouldn't hang around it. If I don't hear anything you've got to say, Brother Hughes, forget it. You know, I, I, I just say, well, then good, I'll leave. I don't need to stay around here and waste my time on you. But there's certain, then there's people who come along and, and does away with the things of God. They want to extinguish the fire of God. They want to take away the hope of humanity. They want to tell you that God don't do things like He used to do. He, gee, let me listen. I'm going to tell you something. There has never been a day of miracles. Never. A day of miracles. Never. But there has always been a God of miracles. You hear me? He's always been there. And he always, and he don't change for nobody. You don't get up and say, I'm going to do a miracle. Is that okay with you? Oh, no. He's not going to do it. No, not God. Uh-uh. Not the one I'm serving anyway. He's going to do it. But he's going to not be done just so somebody can say, Hallelujah, he did a miracle in my ministry. No, he's going to get people saved when he does it. He's going to heal bodies. He's going to set some things up. He's going to do what he needs to do. He don't randomly just do something. He does it with a purpose in mind. Hallelujah. And so we can, and, when, and I'm going to give you a little information. If we, you know, we had a friend of ours. We're going to preach for him in Virginia. His wife passed away. When was it? Uh, October of last year. We've known him for years. In fact, we, we were part of the reason why he came to the Lord. And uh, uh, years ago, and so he's pastors his church and runs a Bible school out of his church. And actually, we graduated through his church and became a doctorate, got our doctorate through his church. And his wife was kind of run all of that. Well, we were in South America when we found out about it, and so we couldn't get a hold of him right away but he, and couldn't talk to him for a while until we got a way to call. He was in the bathroom doing something, fixing something in her bathroom, and she was in there cleaning. She liked to have a real clean house. She just fell over in his arms and said, Oh, my God. And was gone. And so he, you know, he really went through a, 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 the fire over it, more, more or less. And he sought God about it. And, and, and finally, God gave him a dream, and he saw her in his home laying on the couch. And he said, Being the server that I am, I wanted to do something for her. So I said, Can I do anything for you? Here's what she said. We don't need anything because over here we are always high on the Holy Ghost. Amen. I like that. I, knowing her like I know her, I know that's a true thing. I mean, I believe you saw something. I'm high on the Holy Ghost. And furthermore, the second thing he said, she turned to walk down the hall to leave, and she and in the dream now, and he said, 
she turned around and looked at me and said, the only thing that's important to Jesus is the winning of the lost. God, we go every direction in the world. We, teach, we, we pull things apart and teach it because the body of Christ needs to be taught. And that's not a bad thing. But we forget the, multi, the full purpose of what it is that God saved us for. That's to win the lost. You want your pastors to quit everything they're doing and go run and get it, but I'm going to tell you the responsibility lies in your lap. You need to invite people. You need to win them to the Lord and bring them to the church, and you need to act like this is the most exciting place on the face of God's earth because it is to you, and they need to see that, and you don't need to be hammering on somebody about, I know how I know how it is. It's the responsibility of the pastors to teach and train you and I how to operate and flow into things of God and the Spirit of God and things like that. And they certainly shouldn't win the losses as much as anybody else, but it's, it's the responsibility lies in the hands of the church. And when our focus is on the priority that Jesus has, we're going to see miracles. Jesus found hungry people who did not have any food, and he took what little they had and multiplied it and blessed them and blessed them. And it's a principle that works over and over and over again if we get a priority, and that is a priority. Even though my calling, when I was an evangelist, I was consumed. When I walked in that office of an evangelist, I was consumed with a desire to win the loss. I mean, I couldn't keep my mouth shut about anything. I, if anybody even looked like they wanted to hear about God, I told them. And if they didn't look like they wanted to hear about God, I told them. And I wasn't in town 10, 10 minutes so I was telling somebody in this town about this meeting and they said we're coming so I'm going back over here to the store where they work and I'm going to keep going and when I see them I'm going to say you better get yourself over in that church house because if not liar liar pants on fire because you said you were huh hallelujah but the point is we want God to give us that power and that glory brother it'll come when, it, when we start getting some things in the right priority amen are you out there Spirit of God is prompting us to talk about Christ. Now, don't grieve the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4, please. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Now, watch this. This is a pretty tough portion of Scripture. First of all, keep this in mind. Ephesians 1 and 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, who are at Ephesus. He's, so he's talking to saints in Ephesus. Not sinners. Saints. So when he starts talking these verses, we'll pick it up at verse 25. Should read more, but that's enough. Wherefore put away lying. <laughs> God Almighty. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Put away lying. Here they are. Got a group of people telling lies. Be you angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So we got some issues going there with this. And neither give place to the devil, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. Now listen, that's always been a contentious point for a lot of people. They don't like to, I've had people just argue over the fact, well, I don't believe a Christian can have a devil. The late Justin Cornwall, which I'm pretty sure he's probably going to be at the Lord if he's not, he's exceedingly old. Somebody asked him one time, said, do you think a Christian can have a devil? And he said, I think they can have anything they want. That might be a big truth to that. Neither give place to the devil. Somebody said, well, I don't think a Christian can be bound with the devil. What's wrong with some of them? You tell me that, please. I've seen some of them in such a mess. They got they bound up so tight with devils that, you know, it's, it's pathetic. And you go in there and start, listen. 
I've got, a, I've got a certain way about me and a certain anointing there about that. I don't take me long if, I, if, if God tells me to start preaching about certain things like that to get the devil uncovered. Just because I don't say something don't mean I don't know they're sitting around either. Hallelujah, because I know they are sometimes. You can see them sitting there. You know what I'm saying? Bless me if you can. I'm going to throw a cup of water on you and wake you up, boy. But yeah, he said, he's saying, don't, 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 don't give no place. I mean, uh, let him still, don't, don't give no place to the devil. Well, if you can't, if he says don't do it, then that means you can. Because the opposite, you can know about it, what God don't say is what he does say. He's saying, don't give no place to the devil. Don't give it any. Don't steal anymore, he said. But rather, let him labor working with his hands. Things which is good that he may have to give to him that need. You know, we ought to be preaching some of that because we got a world that thinks they have a right to a handout. Now, I'm all for people being helped. I'm all for people being helped and taken care of whatever way God chooses to do it. But I, And then uh, we heard someone, I think someone just recently say that uh, it's the government's job to take care of the poor. No, it ain't. It's the church's job. That's whose church it is. We ought to believe God be blessed and be able to do it. Not every church is going to be able to do it on the same level the other church does it, but they'll be able to do some. What if it's a little bit or a whole lot? I need the point. The point is doing, obeying what God said in that matter. And he said, and no more stealing. Labor. Go, go to work. One fella, I heard Norval Hayes say one fella come to him and said, uh, or his wife come to him and said, my husband won't work. And said, would you talk to him? So he said, I talked to him. He said, I've got the Moses spirit. He said, what? I got them. In other words, he thought Moses didn't work. Oh, he should have to have one of Moses' tasks one day with two and a half million grumbling human beings. That's enough to make you, you know, run away from home right there. Let, then he says, I'm talking about things now. He's talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. Let no communication, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not. That means to distress not the Spirit of God. Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of, of, of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with malice. And be kind one to another, uh, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So all of those things mentioned in those verses are most likely tied together, and I would say so, with the fact of grieving the Spirit of God. I mean, those things are grievous to him. They, they're, they're distressful to him because, it, because, because he's provided a way out of that. Okay, we're talking about revival. I guess this is one of them weed-pulling services, Pastor. I'm pulling away here tonight. I, can, I feel like I've I got some roots that's going way down deep, and I'm going to keep digging until I get to the bottom. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And he don't leave you without help here because... I like this verse. If I preach about forgiving, I talk about forgiveness. I talk about this verse right here in verse 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as. Even as is a supernatural touch of the Holy Ghost that enables us to do it the same way Christ did it. With the same power. Probably not at the same level, but at the same power. Because I'll never be able to give, forgive at the same level that Christ and you can't either. But I can forgive under the same power. I can, I can walk in some measure of forgiveness. Because, because, listen, I've preached enough revivals in 47 years to know that when you get into church where there's a bunch of stuff like that going on, you're not going to have no revival. You're not going to have no move of the Holy Ghost. It's not going to happen. 
I don't care how hard you preach and how much you want it. It's not going to happen when people have those kind of when they have attitudes one toward another, and and they're in unforgiveness and they're and they're bitter and all kinds of things. It's just not going to God. Can, you know, here's the reason why I'm not going to get into this too heavy tonight. But there were, when you look in the Old Testament, and he talks about the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God's presence, Israel. Because Eli and his sons had turned away from God and shown disrespect to the Spirit of God, and, and the sons were laying around with the women at the, at the, at the temple door, and they, were grieve, uh, and they were grieving God, and Eli had grown so cold and, and so dead in the Spirit that he uh, didn't correct anything. And his sons went out to battle, and they took the Ark of the Covenant, and the sons were killed, and the Ark of the Covenant was taken. And when they told him, he fell over backwards and died. His daughter-in-law gave birth to a son and they wrote Ichabod on the door, meaning the glory of God departed. I mean, there's something lifted as a result because there was a lack of, uh, there was a negligence and a lack of respect toward the, uh, toward the presence of God among them. And so, uh, so, it, because, so God lifted all of them. And so it took a little doing to get that, to, to get that uh, presence back. Well, uh, wrong people can't carry the presence of God. That's, that's why. That's why that happened. Because things that happened, they lost the Ark of the Covenant and got into the hand of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, my God, what do we got a hold of here? I mean, the Bible said that they, they, they got a hold of that Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and they began to have emeralds or hemorrhoids in their private parts. That's exactly what that word means. They began to have burning hot, uh, burning hot hemorrhoids. And they said, we got, we, we got to get rid of this thing, put an offering in and send it back. And so they got, they got that ark of the, because wrong people can't handle it. And then there's not only that, then you got the story of David, who the Bible said gathered all the people of God together, 2 Samuel 6, gathered all the chosen people together, gathered 30,000 people, gathered singers together, got a new car, got a brand new Cadillac or Lincoln Continental, and put that, put that ark of the covenant upon that Cadillac and said, this, we're, going up to, we're going to take us back up to Jerusalem because we want God's presence. And on the way up there, it shook a little bit, and they hit a little bump in the road and Usa who was the driver or the you know he reached back to steady the ark and when he did it killed him dead at four o'clock because there's a reason why when Dan when David repeated that story or when that story is repeated in first Chronicles 15 he said he went down and said to Zadok I want you and all get you and your entourage together and go down and get the, we're going to get the ark of the covenant and we're going to bring it back up uh, into Jerusalem and we're going to do it this time the way God told us to do it See, it's important that we understand that there's a way that God does things. And so when they tried to go bring that Ark of the Covenant back uh, the wrong way, somebody died. But when they brought it back, the Bible said they, they danced. Actually, I, I've heard this, and I've never really studied this out to be true, but I think it's true that David danced the distance from where it was carried to where it was back to Jerusalem, nine and one-half miles, and the Bible said he danced with all of his might. Hallelujah. He's a picking them up. Glory to God. And laying them down. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, he was going for it. And when he got to the place where he was supposed to be, his wife looked out the window and said, uh, she, she had this contempt for him. And she told him later. And I like the rendering there in Samuel. She said, wasn't the king a sight in all of the maidens of Israel today? In other words, acting like a fool because he was, you know, he, you know, he was cutting a rug, so to speak. He was picking them up and laying them down. And he said, you know something? Just in, this is Brother Hughes' paraphrase. Uh, you haven't seen anything yet, honey. I will get more wild than this. 
That's what you need to say to the devil. And the devil says, you better not be dancing like it. I said, well, you just hold your peace a minute, devil, because I'm going to show you something you ain't never seen before. I'm going to pick it up and lay it down some more. I'm really going to pick it up and lay it down. I'm going to dance for about an hour and a half. Glory to God. And shout while I'm at it. Hallelujah. No devil going to sit on me. I'm free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Huh? Hallelujah. One more little story. I won't get into it too hard, heavy. But Israel, uh, Exodus 32, God, Moses on the mountain, fasting and praying, people at the bottom of the hill, feasting and playing. God said, Moses, your people are serving false gods. They're playing and having a harlotry and all the kind of things. You better get down. I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses said, they're not my people, they're yours. Amen. And, and if you wipe them out, then they're going to all have something to say that you brought them up out of Egypt to kill them all. Lord, you need to... Re- now listen to what he said. I'm talking about revival still. This is revival praying. And he said to him, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, you need to repent of this evil you're thinking about doing. Now you've got to have some unmitigated audacity to stand in the face of God and say something like that. You need to repent of the evil you're thinking about doing. God did it. He heard him. He took his word to it. Then he went down and God said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Take them up to the promised land. Uh, you can take them, but I'm not going. Exodus 33. Well, Moses went through a little time and said, Well, if you're not going, I'm not going, because without the presence of God, I'm not going. He says, A lot of people can go on without the presence of God. But when you read that old story, and we may come back and really preach it in more detail, but I don't know yet. But the fact is, when you look at the story, Moses said, I'm not going without the glory. I'm not going without the presence. I'm not moving forward without the presence. I wouldn't care if I had 10,000 people. I'm not moving no place without the glory of God. I, I, I pastored a church. I had a man got offended me, big time offended to me. Because, but I didn't mean to really do what happened. This kind of happened spontaneously, if you want to say it that way. Uh, he pushed, we were meeting in a little lodge building. We had to clean all the devils out of it on Saturday night so we'd have church on Sunday morning. We had to clean it up and get all the smoke out of it where they smoked and carried the little things in there. You had all kinds of de- little dead casket looking things laying around in that place. We had to rebuke devils and bind up and everything else. But it was where God told us to be for a while. And so he just rode me and rode me. When are we going to get a church, preacher? When are we going to get a church? I said, well, when the Lord tells us to, we're going to move when he tells us. Not until he tells us to move, but only when he tells us. And so one night I'm walking back towards the back of the church, and all the men in the church standing there, and here he was, a big guy, a big truck driver. He could hit me and knock me flat. And he just, he said to me, he said, uh, preacher, right in front of everybody, are you going to get a church, or am I going to have to ride you till you do it? I stuck my fingers so far up to his nose. Because he was right up, he's up high, was just like, just almost like that, reaching up to him, not quite that angle, but just right up, right up close. I said, you ride me to hell, freezes over, and a foot thick, pal. I ain't moving no place. The Holy Ghost didn't tell me to go. Amen. And I'm not moving until he does tell me to go. Because when I do move, I'm going to have the blessing of God on it. Yes. I'm, I'm talking to you tonight. Amen. We're going to have a move of the Holy Ghost in your hallelujah. We're going to do it God's way, right? Yep. We're going to get it right. We're going to get in the flow, hallelujah. Amen. We're going to make all the adjustments we need to make on the inside and ask God to check us out frequently and say, God, whatever I need, fix it for me and show me what it is I need to do, and I'm going to do it. But more than anything else, I don't want to do one. I don't want to make one step without your presence, without your glory. I'm not going one step without you because it's by your presence that they know. By one Jesus Christ. of the blood.